Hi, you've clicked Make It Known with Mal. I'm your host, Mal. I'm a 20-something-year-old girl who is working on walking in her purpose. The Make It Known with Mal podcast purpose is for myself and all of my listeners to learn and grow. This season is all about lessons I'm learning in my 20s. I'm going to be talking about things such as money management to the new uptake of this new age worldview, all the way to how do we develop our own political ideology. I'm having real and honest conversations with a variety of people. I believe everyone has a unique message, so just keep listening here as I make it known. If making known with Mal is truly providing you with valuable content, consider becoming a Patreon. You can become a Patreon for as low as $3 a month. This podcast isn't just for me, it's for us, all of us. Your contribution will help the podcast continue to improve and reach everyone that needs to hear this. Also, consider ordering some really cute merch. We have things from stickers to t-shirts, and they're all available at www.makeitknownwithmal.com. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Make It Known with Mal. I'm your host, Mal. And today is another episode of the second season, Lessons in My 20s. And today we are talking about um, New Age, the whole New Age, new season, or it's not even new, but it just it feels new, um, I guess, trend. And um, I have a very, very important, like really special guest, Um Marsha Montenegro, and she has a ministry called Christian Answers for the New Age, and she is so knowledgeable about all of this. Like, um, the person I asked if they knew anything about it, they said they'd be quoting her, so there's no point of me interviewing him, so it just made sense to reach out to her, and she so graciously said yes. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear this and learn something. I know I'm going to learn some stuff. I mean, I know I say that every episode, but seriously, this is going to be a really good one. Um, so without further ado, Marsha, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. Thank you for having me on, Mallory. Uh, yes, I, I'd love to do that. Uh, Marsha Montenegro, and um, I grew up uh in different places. My father was a foreign service officer, so we lived overseas for most of my younger years. And then then in the Washington, D.C. area for high school, I went to college in Florida, Uh, then later lived in Atlanta, and that is where I got involved in the New Age, Um, became a professional astrologer. And of course, I was never um, a Christian during all those years. Uh, but I was spiritually seeking. Uh, Eventually, the Lord led me um, to Christ. And after that, he led me to this ministry, which I have been doing full time since 1998. So that's 22 years, uh, which is a pretty, a pretty good long time. Yeah, (laughs) I can tell you, it doesn't seem like 22 (laughs) years to me, really. But it has been. And um, I've learned a lot along the way, and I'm still learning. I have a website, ChristianAnswersForTheNewAge.org. And I have a Facebook page, Christian Answers for the New Age, that people can like and follow. And all of my posts there are related to the New Age. Once in a while, I do a a sort of theological post, maybe on a scripture from, from the Bible. But most of it is on the New Age. Um, I graduated from Southern Evangelical Seminary with 
a master's in religion in 2011. Um, I have an adult son and I have written two books. One is Spellbound, The Paranormal Seduction of Today's Kids, which came out from David C. Cook in 2006. Um, it is on Kindle. It's hard to find hard copies um, at a decent price, but it is on Kindle. And then a recent book that came out just in March, uh, which was written by Don and Joy Vino and myself, uh, called Richard War and the Enneagram Secret. That we will get into, everyone. Do, <laughs> nobody freak out. Do not log off. We will get into it. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yes, and I have written many, many, um, articles for, uh, different publications like the Christian Research Journal. I have chapters, uh, chapter on Wicca in one book, a chapter on astrology in another book and entries on topics in some other Christian books. And I've spoken, um, all around, I've spoken in 30 states, um, at churches, conferences, youth retreats, women's retreats, um, Sunday school classes, et cetera, what have you, you know, if I could speak yeah. and they could get me there, I would go. <laughs> wow. I love it. I love it. I, I've been doing a lot of, a lot of stuff over the years. The Lord has opened all these doors for me. I'm very grateful. I really didn't have to try to get this to happen. It just happened. And so I've been uh, very busy and now I have been busy the last few years, especially on Facebook and especially, of course, now because people aren't really traveling because of the COVID yeah. virus. So I've been doing a lot on Facebook and I've done some sessions like this, you know, podcasts, which I've also done over the years and video interviews and things like that. So a lot of stuff. Yeah, she's incredibly knowledgeable, everyone. So she knows what she's talking about. Um, and I'm just, I'm super excited uh, to get into this. So first, if you don't mind giving like a brief summary of your testimony. Um, and then I'll have a, a few questions after that. Okay, sure. Yes, and I had mentioned already a little bit about my background. I I did go to church because my mother, who was raised Southern Baptist, thought children should go to church. So my sister and I had to go to church and we went to various churches and I went to Sunday school when I was in high school. I went to Sunday school and to youth group, but I had a lot of questions um, about the Bible and about why, you know, why certain things were in the Bible or why was there heaven and hell and things like that. I um, had friends who were not Christians and I began to question the truth of Christianity. And when I was about 15 or 16, I pretty much rejected it. I basically had decided to reject it completely. And I decided that when I got into college, I would search, you know, I would do a spiritual searching on my own. <clears throat> now in college, I didn't have a lot of time for that because I was busy <laughs> studying and writing papers and taking tests. But I did here and there when I could. And I, you know, met a few people who were kind of searching like myself. I was interested in astrology. I actually had been interested in astrology in high school. And that continued. I was interested in the supernatural. All of that led eventually to a serious spiritual search, reading a lot of different materials, 
Um, that led to me uh, getting into Eastern religions, uh, Hinduism, Tibetan Buddhism, and then Zen Buddhism, as well as astrology. And I became a professional um, certified astrologer in Atlanta, Georgia, and started practicing astrology. Then I was teaching astrology, president of the Astrological Society, uh, very, very involved. And then the Lord intervened um, to me, you know, sort of out of the blue, <laughs> because I wasn't, you know, disillusioned. I wasn't thinking that I needed to be on another path. I wasn't thinking of giving up astrology. So it was kind of out of the blue. And it was a series of events that led me uh, to actually give astrology up before I even became a Christian. And then to start reading the Bible, I started with uh, the book of Matthew. And it was while I was reading uh, in Matthew that God opened my eyes. Um, mm -hmm. And this, this um, account of what God did is on my website. Um, it's, uh, it's the strange but true spiritual journey, which is my detailed story. It's also been, some people have published it on their websites. So if you Google Marshmallow yeah. Testimony, you can probably find it. I've also given my testimony on several different podcasts. And um, one of them is Apologetics 315, which was a podcast. I don't know if it's still around, but he interviewed a lot of different people in apologetics and, and their backgrounds and everything. Or maybe he was interviewing people from different backgrounds because he was he was uh, he's doing apologetic stuff and um also on some videos such as doreen virtue had me on uh and i gave my testimony there so people could probably find it yes and i'll also if i find like a really good um one i'll go ahead and leave a link to that as well um and i'll leave a link to the one on your website specifically though okay great thank you so yeah, so I guess let's just talk first um, about astrology, because that's like what you were an astrologist. Um, so I guess, or actually, no, before we get into that, I think I want to talk about like, what do you think um, appeals to people in the new age? And do you think it's gotten to be more popular now? Or do you think that it's always been popular? Um, some of us have just never seen it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, uh, definitely. The um, New Age has actually I have watched it since I became a Christian, which was at the very, 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 very end of 1990. <laughs> it was actually <laughs> December 21st, 1990. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have watched it mainstream. Um, I think at that point it had started it, maybe in the late 80s. It had already started a little bit mainstreaming into the culture. And that continued um, mostly through a lot of alternative healing. A lot of alternative, it's called healing, it's really not, comes from the new age. Um, okay. Then I saw it getting into the church, um, maybe, um, especially maybe around the, the late 90s. And then it continued, you know, to increase in the culture and in the church. It's very much, it's found really everywhere in, in society at all levels. It's in education, yeah. it's in sports, you know, it's um, in corporations, uh, corporate businesses, 
uh, use it. Um, it's and then people, you know, celebrities, well-known people like Goldie Hawn is a follower of Zen Buddhism, for example. So oh, you have a lot of actors. Did not know that. Yeah, a lot of people like David Lynch, who's a very famous uh, filmmaker. Um, you know, a lot of his movies were really um, big. Uh, you know, he did uh, Do the Right. No, no, he didn't do that. I'm sorry. He did um, Twin Peaks, which was a pretty famous, bizarre okay. movie. And uh, <laughs> and he's, he's known for these kind of very offbeat movies. It's probably a little before your time. But he runs a bit. He's a follower of Transcendental Meditation. And he runs a big organization that pushes it into uh, prisons, schools, and the military. Oh, wow. So actually in the military is another segment of society that's uh, very influenced by the new age in terms of their uh, treating uh, vets and treating vets with post-traumatic stress disorder. They use a lot of new age stuff on them. Um, so I have watched it really become almost an acceptable thing. I can remember when it was not you know, mainstream. Yeah. It was not mainstream. I remember telling my doctor that I was doing yoga and he looked at me and, and said, why? You know, <laughs> like, what's the matter with you? You know, it was almost, it was like an accusation oh, wow. and it was very bizarre. I, I, you know, I try, I had to kind of explain why I was doing it and make it sound okay because <laughs> it was, it was considered very fringe. Uh, That's so crazy. Fringe. Yeah. And, um, uh, none of these things were, were common then. You know, I did uh, Zen Buddhist meditation, which is mindfulness. Well, I watched the wave of mindfulness roll through uh, this culture starting um, around 2010, 2011. Yeah. And on from then, it, and especially I'd say that, you know, the last five or six years, it's been huge. And it was everywhere. You actually almost couldn't avoid it, you know, and it be, it, it got into the schools like crazy and they were doing it in prisons and they were doing it again with the military and psychologists were recommending it, et cetera, et cetera. So I have uh, four articles on mindfulness on my website. So I watched all these things just, you know, feng shui, which people think of as a decorating technique is. Actually, yeah. Just rearranging. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's based oh my on, um, Taoism, an ancient Chinese religion, and it uses divination and uh, basically belief in trying to keep away the bad spirits and attract the good spirits. But they call, they don't usually say spirits, they say chi, C-H-I-E. But it's- I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, the original belief is really kind of animism, which is belief in all, every spirits are in everything. So you have to keep away the bad spirits and attract the good spirits. So don't put a mirror um, on the wall across from your door, you know, because when you open the door, it can draw in the bad spirits and, or the good spirits will go out. I can't remember which it is, but I have an article actually on that that was published in the Christian Research Journal and an article on my website. So, you know, I saw things like that all of a sudden become like a craze, you know, all of a sudden interior yeah. designers were learning feng shui or, or consulting feng shui people. And even people selling homes had to sometimes um, 
get a feng shui person to analyze the home because the home buyer wanted to know if the home had good feng shui the way it was built oh, wow. so it yeah it, it's it really got wild and i thought things could not get worse than maybe the way i saw them around 2013 or 2014 but they they have they've gotten worse so i and, and things like yeah. technology have gotten actually it's the millennials who have really gotten into um yeah technology and those those area even witchcraft like modern witchcraft mm-hmm. has sort of become very trendy it's it's very like it's an aesthetic now like people yeah. my friend was telling me she saw um like you can get um like spell stuff at like hot topic which is probably yeah. not the best store to be going into in the first place but you know like you can get it's super trendy yeah. and really quick i want to say um what you were saying about um becoming mainstream in undergrad I took a yoga philosophy class I thought it was just going to be regular yoga and then my friend was saying it was so good and I took a yoga philosophy class and our teacher was Catholic I think and my my undergrad was Catholic school um but that's a whole nother story um (laughs) but um so we did so she taught us yoga and we talked a lot about mindfulness and she gave us all these it was like the seven something principles and i remember being in the class and thinking this is very interesting it sounds very christiany but mm-hmm. it still kind of feels a little off and then mm-hmm. when we were supposed to be meditating instead of like doing the meditation stuff i would like pray because i was just like it still feels yeah. a little different let me just yeah. i'll talk to jesus instead yeah. you know <laughs> That was good. That was good. You did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just—it's so mainstream. Like it just, and I mean, like yoga, and then mindfulness, manifesting. That is so. Everyone and their grandmother talks about manifesting. Um, Like you manifest a husband, you manifest money, you manifest this trip, you manifest that. Yeah. Um, and then okay, sorry. One other thing you said that it. It, it was alternative healing and then it came in the church. Can you give an example of how it's come into the church? Yes. Um, yes, there's a, a couple of really big ones that seem to be popular among a lot of Christians. One is called applied kinesiology. Um, and this is where uh, I think a lot of chiropractors and naturopaths uh, use it. And this is where um, there's different ways to use it. But the main idea is that your body is going to give the information or give the answers. And so they will um, see this was done to me in the New Age health food store where I worked for a while and I shopped. And I remember holding um, holding a bottle of something, a vitamin, I don't know if it's a vitamin or whatever. And I was trying to determine if I should purchase that or not, if that would be good for me. And so they had me hold it. They had me not hold it and then they pressed on my arm and then they had me hold it and they pressed on my arm. And so depending on on the response of how, how your arm is holds firm or is pushed down, then it's that's a yes or no as to whether you wow. should hold that. Um, yeah. And they even do it where you can do it uh, like by proxy for a child. And, and, you know, when you think about this, I mean, logically, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Because no. well, what logic is that based? <laughs> yeah. But in, in the New Age idea, it's this belief in the um, innate intelligence of the body. 
So the, there's a wisdom in the body. This is not connected to your, your mind or your knowledge. It's the wisdom of the body. Or some might think of it as sort of an energy in the body. And that wisdom or energy has the answer. And so mm. when you do these little things then the body will respond a certain way, if that's what you're supposed to buy or supposed to eat or drink or whatever. So um, they use it for a lot for that. So applied kinesiology has done that. Lots of Christians do it. I have exposed it many times on Facebook. It's very occultic because it's based on this false belief about the body's divine intelligence. Um, another one is homeopathy. Um, I have a lot of people mad at me when I take on homeopathy, but homeopathy is based on occult principles. Uh, first of all, there's a belief in the memory of water. Okay. Now, how can oh. water have a memory? Because, I mean, water doesn't have a mind. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to have a mind to have a memory. <laughs> and uh, it's based on that. And also it's based on the belief that the more you dilute something, the more potent it is. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, so you take a substance, and also they take the they believe that if they give you something that causes the symptoms of what you have, that will cure you. So if you have a cough, they supposedly get a substance that would cause a cough or or congestion or whatever it is. But then they take it and they put it in a solution and they shake it, and they believe by shaking it, the energy is being imparted to the liquid. And they continue to dilute it and shake it and dilute it and shake it until there's hardly anything left of the original substance. But it's supposed to have become very potent through the shaking and dilution. And that's what you get. So basically, homeopathy in most cases has nothing in it. And yet you're paying all this money for it. Um, and at, at the at many drugstores, the drugstore around here, they have homeopathic remedies right next to the regular medicines. Wow. I've heard of that word, yeah. but I've never heard of the water thing. Well, yeah, it's it's it, it, it may not be in water, but some solution it's and, and you can get it in pill form, too, but it's still diluted. And homeopathy was very popular with New Agers. I remember getting homeopathic teething pills for my son when he was a baby and you oh, pop wow. the pill in his in their mouth and it, it dissolves like right away. So they don't choke on it. And it was yeah. supposed to help them teething. Um, and. Yeah, this is this is based on um, views that really go back to vitalism, which was a popular view in the uh, like the 1800s, a belief in this vital force in nature, and you could harness it uh, for healing. Uh, so that idea is found in a lot of different things: Bach flower remedies, which became aromatherapy, which became essential oils. <gasps> That's in there. Um, and it's wait so are essential oil should we not be using essential oils well essential oils is is a complicated thing let me i'll try to break it down actually using an essential oil that has been scientifically shown to have properties that have an effect is okay so there's certain essential oils like tea tree oil which have certain effects that are helpful or there may be certain oils that, um, oil of clothes, I can remember when I was young, that if I had a toothache, you know, my grandmother would say, well, you can get oil of clothes from the, at the drugstore from the pharmacist and put on your gum, you know. So there's certain 
oils that can be helpful. However, the essential oil industry is new age. The industry itself is wow. new age. Okay. And um, they promote a lot of new age ideas. I have looked at, I don't know how many essential oil websites, even some that are called Christian. And I always find something new age on them. Um, or they promote new age um, alternative healing. But usually there's something new age, like this essential oil will help you in prayer, they have essential oils that will help the angels come to you. Mm, essential okay. oils, you know, that kind of, they have spiritual, a spiritual property. Uh, or they make a lot of false claims. You know, this is, you can use this if you have um, bad kidneys, or you can use this if you have uh, problems uh, sleeping. And it may not, it may not actually do that because they're not regulated. So they can right. make any claims they want. And two of the biggest uh, essential oil industries are actually, I consider, they. I think they should be shut down. They have made so many fraudulent claims. They've actually been warned several times by the FDA. Um, so I did a lot of posts, uh, Facebook posts on this topic. So the, what I tell people is, because their first question is usually, well, you mean I shouldn't use essential oils? That's usually the first question. Yeah. I mean, I have some going right now. I'm like, okay. wait, do I need to turn them off? <laughs> well, you know, I always say if you're using them for cleaning and aroma, as long as you're careful, because remember, they're very highly concentrated. So as long as yeah. you are careful and you're using them for cleaning or aroma, I, I don't really, I don't have an issue for it. You're using them for something okay, yeah. practical. When you're I using like the them, smell. <laughs> yeah, the smell. If you're using them for, for healing, then you have to be more careful because it might be that there's false claims involved or you might be using them the wrong way. Like some people put them on their skin and they're not supposed to. Some people ingest them and you shouldn't ingest them. So there's health um or there's possible damage, you know, that could come. But then the other part of it is the spiritual aspect of it because these companies are so new age and they will promote these ideas that seem okay. Like this may, this is going to give you inner peace or this is going to make you feel relaxed. Yeah, it's true. I know lavender relaxes a lot of the smell of lavender relaxes a lot of people. It doesn't particularly relax me. I like it. It doesn't really make me relax, but a lot of people say it relaxes them and that's okay, you know, but they, but they go beyond that. And sometimes they make spiritual claims. And this all goes back to um, the Bach flower remedies, which was found by a man named Bach. And he believed that in plants, there were these properties, spiritual properties that were healing physically and spiritually. And so he had these ideas about which plants had which properties and cultivated them that way and sold them that way. And I can remember in the 80s when I was in the New Age, I knew I knew Bach, I knew about Bach flower remedies and I knew what they were. Um, I think that we, we sold some of the remedies in our New Age health food store. And then I recall that that's around the time aromatherapy started becoming a really big thing and the essential oil industries came right out of that, either in the late 80s or right after that. <clears throat> and so I kind of saw that happening. I remember people talking about it and people who were getting into it um, as a business. So aromatherapy, whenever you have the word therapy, you need to be careful because if it's not coming from a 
a credible medical source. It's probably new age. They love to use the word therapy, which actually means healing. It means healing. So aromatherapy means healing with aromas. And that goes back to the Bach flower remedy idea. And so the essential oil industry came out of that. So there's a lot of, even though there's a few oils that are okay, or you can use them for aroma and cleaning, a lot of the other stuff is all new age. So it's a very tricky, it's a very tricky area. So I just try to inform people so they can, you know, be careful. Be cautious when you very are cautious. purchasing, just be very cautious. Yeah, very cautious. I mean, you can get a lot of these oils, you can get them. Um, I've seen them at Whole Foods. I've seen them I got, at the yeah. drugstore maybe. Um, I really don't see a need to pay so much money to to these big companies that sell them. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to give my money to a new age company anyway. Yeah, no. And I know the company that you're talking about, and I don't mm. support those type of companies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got mine from Ross. Oh, we just okay. There. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> That's better. Um, <laughs> so I feel a little bit better now yeah. after you said that, because I mean, like you said, it is in the culture. And yeah. um, you also earlier you said too, you remember it being kind of fringe. And now that I think about it, I'm just thinking about how in um, like Charmed shows like Charmed and like the Sabrina mm-hmm. Witch Girls, mm-hmm. those were very popular when I was younger. And my parents were super like strict, so I didn't watch those. Um, oh, okay. But now they have surfaced back around and all of them are so much darker. Yeah. Like, and I, I feel like it's just, it's, and it's not, it's mainstream now. Like, I know a lot of people that watch um, the new Sabrina show and it's like, it's super dark. Like, I don't even, I get uncomfortable watching the commercials. I can't imagine watching the actual show. Yeah. So it's I very just, dark. It, yeah. Yeah. Dark. And that's because. So- this is because of desensitization. And this is something I warned about mm. with Harry Potter, which unfortunately wasn't allowed to watch that either. Well, that influenced a whole generation. I mean, it was unbelievable, yeah. including a lot of Christians who liked, who liked it and who were allowed to read the books. And, um, and I think, you know, probably maybe for teenagers reading it, that maybe didn't have as much of an effect on on those as those under 12 who were much more impressionable. But what it does is it's a desensitization of the culture so that when things, these ideas become accepted in a mainstream way, people don't react to them anymore as a negative thing. You know, because it used That's to be so true. that the idea of casting spells um, for Christians anyway, would be, oh, that's evil. You know, that's wicked. I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to read a book where casting spells was a good thing, or I wouldn't let my child read a book like that. And so it would be even, even maybe a non, non-Christians would, would also agree with that. But now after Harry Potter, all of a sudden casting spells became this sort of thing. And, and people were telling me that their child would be on the playground and other children would be playing as though they were casting spells. You know, they would take sticks mm. and pretend they were wands and they would be casting spells and everything. I know they were just playing, but you see they're desensitized to the idea. Yeah. So that it's not evil anymore. It's like a fun thing or it's an, a glamorous thing or it's an interesting thing. And so as the culture becomes more desensitized, then these ideas become darker because that's always where the occult goes. It always goes darker. 
it doesn't go lighter, it goes darker. So it gets darker because the more you give into it, then the more you're willing to take. And so if, if this idea, which seems light and fun, is okay in the culture, then this idea that's just a little bit darker might slide in, you see? And then by yeah. degree, it gets darker and darker and darker. I definitely see it because, and I was having this conversation with one of my friends the other day about like how if you are like my, so I don't remember when the first Harry Potter came out, but I distinctly remember in the fourth grade, I played soccer with this girl and she was obsessed with it. And I remember asking and my parents like, no, absolutely not. And um, so like my generation, we were all under the age of 12, I feel like. And if, if you have not seen or watched Harry Potter by like, by and when I tell people I, I didn't read the books, or, they're oh my god, what you didn't read Harry? It's like this big thing. Yeah. And in undergrad, um, my freshman year, I was hanging out with these girls I met, and they had made a comment about like a Ouija board, and I was like, oh no, I don't mess around with that. And they're like, what? You've never played around with a Ouija board? Like it was like a weird thing that I had never done yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't mess around like I believe in spirits and things like that so I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna play with it like I don't and it just when you said desensitization like that's just really what I thought of I I really feel like that's I mean you can see it plain as day. well if you're looking for it I feel like you yeah. can see it plain as day like yes. it people are definitely desensitized and I like I'll never forget they were like talking to me like I was weird for have never played with a Ouija board before like, yes no I don't were, yeah definitely and, and if you were <laughs> if you weren't reading Harry Potter and all your friends were reading it you know you were probably seen as kind of you know, either people felt sorry for you because yeah, they did, it or something wrong with you because you didn't want to read it or whatever, and that that that's that really is how it was. I mean, I had a lot of criticism from adults from taking a stand against it. Believe me, yeah, I people who were not happy with me, um, and I had it's kind of funny. I had so many college students write me because they were writing papers in college on Harry Potter, which yeah, to me. And they were, they came across my articles. I wrote articles on all the books and all the movies. I went through. Oh, wow. That. Yeah. I, that I'm going to link them. <laughs> of my life was that. And, oh, um, wow. and, you know, they said, can I, can I quote, can I quote from some of your articles? And, and they would usually tell me, well, I'm okay with Harry Potter, but I'm supposed to present you know, both of the view, the pro and cons. So can I quote from your articles and everything? So they would ask me, they were very polite, you know, and I'd say, yes, sure. You know, so I, it was interesting. It was a very interesting time period, but I feel like that really opened the door for a lot of things because after that, I noticed more and more stuff like that for children um, was much, much darker. And then of course we had the big twilight series yeah wasn't allowed to watch that so wait so twilight is not so is that considered new agey as well i just thought it was just vampires like i i that i didn't understand why i couldn't watch (laughs) um i think that one is not as overtly new age or occult or as occult as harry potter however there was some of it um first of all i thought it was very dark there's a lot of dark scenes in the book and a lot of very anti-Christian ideas. For example, oh, okay. at one point, Bella, who's the heroine who has fallen, you know, in love with this vampire guy, um, says, uh, you know, because now she knows he's a vampire, 
And there's sort of this idea, well, you know, he's going to live forever and she's going to die. So they, it doesn't make sense for them to be a couple. Plus he's afraid he's going to, he would hurt her because he's so strong if they got intimate. So there are those two things going on, but she says she's so desperate to have him um, that she, she's actually more aggressive than he is. She even tells him I would give up because he tells her, well, you can never get to heaven. You will never get to heaven if you, you know, become a vampire. And she wants to be mm. turned into a vampire. And she says, no, I would give up heaven for you. Mm. And um, then uh, she, uh, they fool around, even though they don't go all the way. So there's that, you know, because what I heard, what I was hearing from parents and other people was, well, these books were okay because they were so clean because they don't do anything sexual you know before they're married because they do eventually get married and they don't they're they you know they stay pure or whatever and I oh. said no wait a minute hold it you know it's not really that's not really what I call staying pure when you lie together in bed at night <laughs> I, yeah. was, you know it's like there Especially was in this, high school yeah there was this little um thing like well as long as you don't cross the line it's okay but there was a lot of sexual undertones in many parts of the book but there is a very dark very i mean i think it's one of the darkest things i've ever read really um, wow okay you now one of the books it's when she gives birth or when she's she becomes she gets married she becomes uh pregnant and her uh, unborn child is part vampire and part human. Um, but it's, it's, it's destroying her. It's trying to eat her from the inside out. I mean, it's really gross. And then there is a birth scene where her Edward comes to, I think it's him. He comes to, I can't remember if it's him or there's somebody else and they're both there delivering her child. Um, it's a it's a horrific scene where she's screaming and and there's this child is trying to you know eat her from the inside out. I mean, I don't even remember it that well, which I'm I'm grateful for. <laughs> I was I was just reading that like horrified. I was horrified by that and I wrote about mm. it. I also have articles on on those books and I was horrified and I thought, and people are let, are telling their teen, mostly it was teenagers who were reading these books and yeah. they were thinking they were okay. And I'm like, no, these are not, these are not okay. So I had a lot of issues with it. The author, you know, Stephanie Meyer is a, is a Mormon and. Oh, I did not know that. That's interesting that yes. she wrote that. It's very interesting because I went online when I was writing the books and I found some uh, websites discussing it of people who had been Mormons and saying how they saw the Mormon themes in the book. And so I think I mentioned oh. that in one of my articles, um, like when Edward and Bella um, become both vampires, then you, you, you don't need to sleep anymore. So like the vampire's house didn't have, he lived with his quote unquote family um, and they didn't have any beds in the house, you know, when Bella first oh. goes there, he says, well, we don't need to sleep. So they, they, they don't need to sleep and they just have this wonderful kind of perfect life. And one of the things I saw from one of the ex-Mormons was this was like what the Mormons call exaltation, which is when they're taken like to the highest level of heaven or something, if you're a good Mormon, I'm not an expert on Mormon theology. Oh, I know okay. a little bit. I know some things. 
but I know that exalt that's exaltation. And so this person said, well, that's supposedly like exaltation. You can, you know, have as much sex as you want. You don't need to sleep and all this kind of stuff. So because that, you know, hmm. Mormons think that after you die, you go to a special little place with your family. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. go with your family. So that idea sort of uh, seems to be uh, in Twilight. So there's these very hmm. unbiblical ideas about life and death and about pure set what sexual purity is. And a few of the vampires have what you might call kind of occult powers, like they supposedly can read other people's minds or they can um, cause somebody else to feel pain. They have these special gifts, you know, so there's, yeah. there's a little bit of that, but I was more concerned about the really gruesome scenes, the idea, the sexual ideas in there that, that I don't think were sexually pure at all. And the, just the darkness of the books, you know, I, yeah. she lies to her father many times. She lies to her father. So I did not think these books were, were good reading at all for anybody. Especially, it sounds like it was not good for high school. No. And that's no, what's crazy. So. That's the target market, though. Yes, it was. It was. And a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of high school girls, uh, Christians and non-Christians, were reading the books. Yeah. Um, so I ended up actually talking you know, on this topic several times and talking to teens about it. So, you know, I didn't, I never say, I don't come out and say, oh, don't read this. This is bad for you. You know, I say, okay, here's, here's some issues I see, you know, with this book. What about this? You know, what about this? And, yeah. you know, I just present it to them like, uh, you know, is that really sexually pure? And is that, isn't that kind of gruesome, that scene of the childbirth and, what do you think of Bella deciding that she's so obsessed with Edward that she's willing to give up heaven for him? You know, isn't that like for That's crazy. say they're willing to give up Christ, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, then if you really point out these things uh, and, and the people you're talking to think about them, they, it kind they kind of figure it out on their own, you know? Yeah. That's the and, thing that I do. And I think that all that stuff, um together just led us to where we are today how you know it's so mainstream all of the stuff is just super um common and that concludes part one of new age and christianity we talked for two hours and 45 minutes i did a poll for all of my listeners to see what you guys prefer and everyone prefers episodes about 45 minutes or less so i have split it up into four parts you will continue to hear the next four parts, or the next three parts, rather, over the next two weeks. So stay tuned for part two. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Make It Known with Mal. I hope you enjoyed and learned something new. Make It Known with Mal is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and iHeartRadio. So if this was a beneficial episode for you, wherever you're listening, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends. If you take a picture listening, make sure you tag Make It Known with Mal on Instagram, and I'll repost it. I'm currently accepting applications for sponsors. Also, if you're receiving value from this podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon for as low as $3 a month. Find out more on my website, 
www.makeitknownwithmal.com. You can also find merch and a list of all the freebies that are available. Thanks again for listening and have a good rest of your day. Also, ask yourself if the whole world was listening, what would you say? Don't forget to make it known.